1: Carol Klinger, the associate editor of NPR's All Things Considered, goes on the record
2: online. He'll call me and say, you know, I've got this great sound opportunity. We're going to drop cars on top of um, the roofs of a hurricane shelter that we built to see how much stress it can take.
1: Today we have a one-on-one interview with associate editor of NPR's All Things Considered, Carol Klinger. And uh, I will tell you, you don't know tough until you tried to book a booker. Uh, In addition to uh, being the associate editor, uh, she's also one of the chief bookers at All Things Considered. Uh, So she receives a lot of pitches daily, and uh, there are many people vying for her attention. It was very difficult for me to get her time, but she was generous enough to cut me 15 minutes at the end of the day on a Friday, uh, which she said was the time of day when it's usually the slowest because – Probably more people have one leg out the door headed for the weekend. Um, So, anyways, that's probably a tip as well. Um, This could very well be uh, the definitive PR Booker's Guide for all things considered. Uh, It's around 15 minutes. And uh, before I play it for you, I want to mention a conference uh, called... Online Video for Social Communications 2008, being presented by Room, the Annenberg School of Communications and the Public Relations Society of America. It is being held November 11th. It is being held at uh, Disney Hall in Los Angeles at Redcat. And if you want more information about that, you can go to iPressroom.com forward slash online video. Uh, and now we are going to play for you the uh, interview with Carol Klinger in its entirety after this.
0: Don't be left behind. Get the latest online PR tools and services from iPressroom. Powerful, easy to use, available on demand. Extend your sphere of influence online with iPressroom. Tools for online media centers, virtual private press rooms, RSS news feeds, podcasts, and more at www.ipressroom.com. iPressroom. Always on, even when you're off.
1: Carol Klinger, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Now, you've been booking at All Things Considered for how long? Uh,
2: since 1995.
1: And and give us, if you would, uh, a day in the life as as the booker of All Things Considered.
2: Well, I'm not the booker. I'm everybody on the show books, but. Um, but uh, I can tell you about my day, and it starts with uh, waking up and turning on Morning Edition and trying to read four newspapers as I'm getting ready for work and uh, taking the Metro into work. Um, and then when I walk in the door, if I'm not hit with um, a need to start chasing a story, I start uh, catching up on emails and voicemails and I'm supposed to bring. We all are supposed to bring story ideas to our 10 o'clock editorial meeting. This is a normal day. Sometimes we actually have interviews before 10 <laughs> that we're involved in. Then, uh, once the meeting's over, we have our assignments, and we're often running till 3 o'clock. After that, uh, I invite people to call. That's why my phone rings all the time uh, to pitch their stories. Um, and their interview the people they would like us to interview.
1: How many pitches would you say you receive a day?
2: It's really impossible to say um, because it really varies from day to day, and I'm sure because my phone is ringing off the hook, a lot of people don't get through. They end up getting into voicemail, so I, I really can't say, but it, it's, it's a lot, and um, people do send me pitches by snail mail, a lot of our pitches have to do with book authors, and I get probably about five cartons of mail a day.
1: Do you read the five cartons of mail a how, how day? No, no, possibly? I don't.
2: I have people to help me open the mail, and uh, a lot of them are books. That's why they take up so much room in a, in a mail carton. So we organize the books by when the books are coming out. And... Um, You know, we don't read all the books. Obviously, we can't. But we, you know, first thing we do is we get rid of the books we know we're not going to do. We're not going to do any self-help books. We're not going to do any pop psychology books. Um, We're not going to do any guides. Um, We're not going to do any, um, you know, mysteries or thrillers. We we do occasionally do uh, those books if there's a special reason to do it. But we don't normally do yet another. You know, if it's, it's, a, it's a, another mystery in another series of mysteries. Um, we might do one if it's something special, um, like somebody hasn't written one for 15, 20 years or something, or they're de- totally departing from their, um, um, you know, their formula. We might do it then, or if it's something newsworthy.
1: Outside of books, uh, what else are you getting pitched too frequently?
2: um too many people who have uh you know get rich quick uh things uh types of pitches um health you know sort of pop health things um too many diet uh diets and um uh those kinds of things you know there's a lot there's a lot of people out there who have, you know want us to interview them because they think they have the best way for people to lose weight, get rich, be more popular. Um, we don't do business management books. We get a lot of those, and we're a lot of pitches of people who want to help people manage their businesses better or start a business. We don't do any of those.
1: Carol, is there any formula for what makes a winning pitch? I mean, is is there any rubric that you're following, any guidance you can give to people in public relations for what's a fit and what's not? Beyond well, just I'll
2: tell you that the people who are really successful, um, if, if they understand radio and they listen to their show and they know what we do, um, there are people who know that they have a story that has terrific sound that is coming up. Um, there's one guy from one of the universities who has very rarely, it may not even be once a year, it might, it might be once every couple of years, has something that's that's happening at his university. It might be an experiment. It might be a test um, where he'll call me and say, you know, I've got this great sound opportunity. We're going to drop cars on top of um the roofs of a hurricane shelter that we built to see how much stress it can take, that kind of thing. Um, And those are great. Those are great for radio and that they're surprising and they're unusual and it's just perfect for our medium. Of all, uh, the,
1: of all the stories, all the people that you're talking to, all the stories that you're booking and, mm-hmm. and, and, and moving forward with, what percentage would you say uh, come from people that you've been working with for a considerable amount of time, and what percentage are people that are calling you blind for the first time?
2: You know, I'm sorry. I can't, I can't really tell you that because there are people who call me blind that have a great story idea and then there are people who know what we want and they come up with them over and over again and I don't know what the percentages are but the thing is to tell you the truth is most of the interviews we do don't come over the transom they're not people who call us with a great story idea and they're not because most of the pitches we got are not things we would do um, we're a daily news show and we are covering the news as it's happening and so most of the booking we are doing is we're trying to get newsmakers as the news is happening we're trying to get um, people who do who have just had an amazing experience or d- amazing experience and we're very very quick we do it in just a few hours you know it's usually the same day um, s- smart book publicists will keep their ear to the news, and they'll know um, when they have the perfect expert for a story right when it happens. And those people know to call me. No, first they call their, their expert to make sure they're available. And then they'll call me and say, do you need somebody who can talk about this uh, for this story? And, and once in a while, we get that person on the air. They just call at the perfect time when we're desperately looking for somebody. But that doesn't really happen that often. Now,
1: obviously, all things considered as a news program, but there are so many NPR programs that are feature-oriented, and uh, NPR has been so aggressive on the use of podcasts to extend the, extend the reach of the programs to listeners on demand. And I wonder... If, if, if that's changed your perspective on booking, are you looking for more feature-oriented stories, more evergreen stories, because people may be downloading them two, two days, maybe two weeks after, the, after it's been produced?
2: I, I have to say it doesn't. We, we do have um, a whole other department now that works on podcasts, and they um, produce their own programming. They might repackage the, the things that we do, or they might produce their own. Um, but, uh, my life is getting the news on the air as quickly as possible, and I don't really have time to think about, oh, and this would be a good podcast. There are some things, like, when we do, we do do book authors, and we do people who are involved in films, they're, you know, either the director or the actor or the writer, or sometimes the author of a book that a film is being made up from, um... And we also do music and some things like that. And those things we, have, we take a little more time with. We can plan ahead. And we also will think about other ways to get that information to people. There's, we only can maybe spend between five and nine minutes, 12 minutes at the most on a. Uh, so sometimes we have other materials that we'll put on the web uh, that we think our listeners will will go to and, and appreciate because we can't cram it all in one show.
1: Has the emergence of um, all these blogs with people publishing their personal opinions to the Internet, I mean, has that affected your perspective on how you do your job at
2: all? Well, unfortunately, it makes us chase after rumors more and try to find out if they're true or not, and it takes up a lot of our time. <laughs> so um you know there are there are blogs but is it useful for me to find people to interview very seldom i mean anybody that i find through a blog i have to spend an extremely large amount of time to vet them to see who are they are they who they say they are do they really know what they're talking about
1: um, what, uh, moving forward, uh, you know, through the end of the year here and maybe into uh, next year, uh, what, do you th- what do you see as, as the hot news trends? What do I see
2: as the hot news?
1: Well, what, what trends? I mean, do you think uh, this, this notion of, of green news, is that something you're focused on? Um, beyond the election. Yes, I mean, beyond the election, what other, what other news trends do you predict gaining steam and, and interest in the mainstream news media?
2: Well, one of the things that is on everyone's mind is the economy. And um, we are always looking for new and unusual ways to cover it in a way that really connects to people and makes it easier to understand. But I don't want to encourage people um, to call me with uh, pitches once again with their self-help books and so on and so forth, because that's not what we're looking for. We have some very, very creative people who are finding ways to look at the economy in a way that our listeners can connect to in a new and and meaningful way. Um, It's something that's always on our minds, and when we are listening to a story, idea, we are trying to put that... we're trying to keep that in mind, how can we make this uh connect to our listeners in a way that's meaningful to them but also just not so complicated and um deadly boring i mean econ- economic stories are hard to do in a way that is um not not deadly what can
1: i say you know so many columnists have talked about uh, a more polarized political climate than ever in the us and uh, certainly you know we've seen the emergence of uh, news broadcasters who are partisan and uh, i would imagine uh, you know those on the right may look at uh, npr and say npr is on the left um, what what are your thoughts on that on on the, well, uh, the politics of news well i
2: agree with that there i mean I've, I talk to a lot of people, a lot of conservatives, who, who appreciate NPR. I've, I've had them tell us that they prefer to be on our show because we allow them to complete their thoughts, that, that we do things in a way that's thoughtful and not just a quick hit. We're not taking what they have to say out of context and throwing it in with a big salad mix for sensation um and we have a lot of success with uh, uh conservatives um who want to be on NPR and I, I just came from the National Republican Convention and I kept meeting people there who said they love listening to NPR. I'm sure there are people who think that we are um not you know not their audience. Uh, they're not uh they're not, we're not the show that speaks to them but That's true on the left, too.
1: So final question. Um, Let's say, for example, you've gotten a pitch some way or you found it through the transom on your own, and you're getting ready to qualify a potential guest by doing some sort of a pre-interview with them. Is this something that happens quite frequently?
2: We do it whenever we can. Okay.
1: so, it, so it,
2: Obviously, what, if someone is a big newsmaker and everybody's after them, we don't have the chance to do a pre-interview sometimes.
1: So let's say that's not the case and you do have time. Uh, what what tips, what words of wisdom would you give to someone who's getting ready to do a pre-interview? What do they need to know to give a great interview? And what makes a great radio
2: interview? They need to relax and, and not worry about... What they're going to say, we don't like things to be scripted. Um, We want them to be themselves. And uh, the the biggest thing is not to be nervous.
1: Well, listen, I know you're very busy, so thank you so much for giving us the time. And um, this has been Carol Klinger uh, of um, All Things Considered. Uh, Once again, thanks for joining us.
2: You're welcome.